Hi, and welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, your seriously pointless podcast about all your nerdy and geek things throughout time and across the star road. That's right. <laughs> I was thinking about like, what would go before the star road for a minute there? And uh, it did not come to me initially. And so I was like, we're just going to say time from now on and then add the extra thing on. Does that sound like a plan, James? Sure, why not? Uh, obviously, guys, <laughs> you can hear his his wonderful you know, uh, uh, baritone laugh. Oh, dulcet tones. His dulcet tones. He puts me to sleep every night. I literally have a recording of James. It just laughs. It goes, ha, 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 ha. And I go, ah. Oh. Anyways, that was creepy. Anyways, so we have James with us again today. <laughs> Um, and today, ladies and gentlemen, we have the wonderful uh, experience that he is ready for us. James, what are we talking about today, man? We're talking about Super Mario RPG, The Legend of the Seven Stars. What, what, what? That's right. We're going back to the SNES era, back boys and girls. Yes. That's right. And widely regarded as one of the very best games ever published for that console. And it makes a lot of best games on best games of all time list. It really does. So before we delve into the legend that is the, the seven, uh, that is of the seven stars, I want to say, James, what what have you been up to? Like you said, you know, mostly working since the last time we recorded. I know it's been bad. I've uh, I did get a chance to borrow your copy of Super Mario 3D yep. World. And uh, my wife and I have been playing the co-op through we've got oh. about the first one and a half so far. It's a lot of fun, actually. I told you, man. And I uh, I didn't realize until I started playing it, it's actually greatly resembles Super Mario 3. Yeah. And so the 3D world part, I get the title now. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a while. It's really good. So I had, I actually got done with that probably about a week. Was it about a week ago? I think I yeah. gave it to you. I got all the way through that. The only thing I did not beat was a secret, the secret level. Um that comes after you beating 3d world, but I did finish Bowser's fury, which is an attachment to that. Mm-hmm. You're, I don't, th- I don't know if they have two player on Bowser's fury or not. So it's actually up to four players through the original game. And yeah. then Bowser's fury will do too. Oh, okay. So we might, act, I'm going to pop over and play with you sometime on that. Cause yeah, that would be really fun. So I, I like that kind of stuff. Cause there's a couple things in the, cause there's a couple stickers and a couple green stars that it would help if you had two people. It makes a lot of this stuff easier, I've got to say. Yeah. You have, whenever you get a lot of the power-ups, it gives you two copies, one for each person. Yep. And so you can fill up your little backup queue with lots of extra stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, having an extra person to bounce off of makes the harder-to-reach platforms nice. Like, you don't have to swap characters around like you do when you're playing single-player to get everything. Yeah, it is kind of a pain because there are a couple ones that are specific for characters. Like, there are buttons where you have to be Toad or you have to be Peach or Luigi to get that certain thing. And it's just like, well, I just played through this whole thing. Like, so I have to go back again and get the green star because you're like me a little bit. You like to collect things whenever. I've gotten all the stars and stamps so far. I'm not going to replay the whole level just to get the flag race all the way, but I do want the stars. So wait until you get to level a world six. I think there's a total of eight or nine worlds. I think there's definitely eight. Um, wait till you get to world six that is where you're going to be you'll be challenged for like absolutely challenged because there was probably three stickers that i didn't get and probably a a grand total of probably like 10 stars that i could not get it's it's legitimately like it just goes from like oh okay this is getting harder it's getting harder and then it's like a big jump up and i'm like oh what's this is fun (laughs) it's been a a slow increase in difficulty so yeah the whole first world was pretty much like you know this is a fun little jaunt we're just having fun baby's first world yeah the the second world (laughs) has been like oh i actually might need to pay attention a little bit to what i'm doing now 
Yeah, it's I, I can definitely understand that. But yeah, it's it'll be good fun. And I can't wait for you guys to do uh, Bowser's Fury because that's a little bit more um, Super Mario uh, 64 kind of ish. I've heard really good things about it. It's really cool. it's really fun. Yeah, people seem pretty hyped. I, I really hope that the next game that they put out is a lot is like that because the because the system they have I, I don't want to ruin a lot for you but it's like the system that they have for the items and the gameplay and the whole it's all the little platforming stuff they have it's a lot of fun and it's got a difficulty level that's not just like here you go have fun it's like a okay here you go i want you to jump up all this junk and try to get to the very top and it's actually legitimately some of it's hard and i'm like that's that's good i want i want that level of difficulty in there that makes it a little bit fun so yeah but yeah so i'm glad you were playing that i can't wait to see what your what your uh i your thoughts are later we hint hint maybe an actual uh episode later absolutely uh yeah i know what have you been up to though so I have actually been recovering from the computer disaster that I had uh, a few about a week ago. Obviously, um, I finally got everything working. Obviously, we're hooked back up to the main the main PC. Um, it runs like a champ. Uh, I'm I've literally upgraded from an i3 to a Radon Seven, which is phenomenal. It's literally <laughs> two generations. I don't know what to do. My computer boots in like six seconds. It's kind of legit. I have I have an onboard SSD. It's got the M the M2 uh, in it. It's super lightning fast. I'm getting spoiled to no end. Those M2 chips are pretty awesome. I, yeah, I, w- I want to uh, tip my hat to whoever invented that technology because whoever thought like, oh, let's integrate the the memory or the 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 uh, yeah the, the memory the the into the actual motherboard it just clips right on the motherboard it's super nice it's like oh. i was skeptical when i built kelly's computer yeah. but it's the way to go because my i have one of those detached like uh sata solid or state they're fun and they're fine but it's not as nice as no it's it's still not as fast either i mean literally i i was moving files over because i just wanted to test it out and see what it was i moved over a hundred gigs of junk from my ssd that i had on there like you know from uh recording files and stuff we had onto the onto the ssd just for shits and grins to see what it's like took a total of like two minutes tops yeah that is stupid it's it's stupid fast and i was like you know what daddy like daddy (laughs) like a lot so but yeah that's what i've been doing i've been doing that downloading a couple extra games i've gotten moonlighter on uh my platform on from the xbox game pass right now i'm trying that out you actually told me about it a while ago and I never got into it as much. Um, I've kind of been holding off because I didn't really I didn't really know how I was going to play it or like how I was going to enjoy it. And luckily, it's free on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll download it and try it out. Yeah, I, I don't want to ruin it for you. We've, I played it on the Switch version when it came out for mm-hmm. Switch. And it's it's OK. It's it's got a cool little dungeon delving thing going on. It's mm-hmm. got a little shop mini game. It's not going to make anyone's best of all time list. No, it's, it's fun. It's worth playing. It's a nice little time sync that I'm going to try and get into before I start playing uh, Binding of Isaac, probably. Yeah. Uh, Repentance, hopefully, because I, I I hope that they're going to release it for the Switch soon. If not, I'm probably going to break down next month and probably buy it because um, our second kid's supposed to be born early part of May, and I'm going to have a lot of time on my hands sitting here holding a small infant, not being able to move for a while. So, so one thing I haven't tried out yet, but Repentance does have genuine co-op in it. Ooh. Like, actually, two separate characters playing at the same time. So you're not playing against each other kind of thing? Not playing against each other. It's not the stupid little baby drop-in mechanic that 
Reaper had. Okay. Like an actual co-op. I would be down with that. That would be good. I think that'd be a ton of fun. I would be really, yeah, I would be good with that. So that would, that's something we can try. And so, but anyways, guys, that's what we've been up to. If Tell us what you guys have been up to online. If you guys are playing anything that you're really enjoying, if you're watching anything crazy, tell us. Um, so let's get into what we played in the past a long eons ago. Many, many, day, many years ago. That's true. So, so this is Super Mario RPG, Legend of the yeah. Seven Stars. It's a role-playing video game that was developed by Square. That's mm-hmm. right, Square, before it became Square Enix. Just That's Square. right, before it evolved. And it got published by Nintendo. Yep. It was published for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, May 1996. And this was just four months before the N64 launched yep. Super Mario 64, which is in September. Yeah. It was originally supposed to be a spring game, and there was a lot of development. So for, for folks that are possibly maybe not in the video game scene, who is Square? Do you know? Do you want to... So Square is one of the granddaddies of the RPG genre. That's right. They made Final Fantasy. Uh, mm-hmm. at this Before yeah. the time that Super Mario RPG came out, they'd made Final Fantasy 1 through 6 already. Chrono Trigger came out in yeah. 95. Trials of Mana. Secret of Mana. Secret of Mana. Trials right. came out later. That That's what I was, what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, the Mana yeah. series. But essentially, they are, like you said, they are, they are the, 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 get, they are the, 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 the studio that basically made JRPGs a thing as we know it, and they were yeah. competing with Enix at yes. the time, who had like the Star Wars B- before before they before bought they them emerged, out. Before they bought it, before Enix bought out Square, and that's what it was, yeah, era. yeah, yeah. That whole uh, Final Fantasy movie thing was a colossal loss for the company. Well, you know, it's you do what you love, and you think you hope to God maybe it's something <laughs> cool, but it just. Some things don't don't float, but yet. So, from what I gathered, because I was watching a little bit of stuff and kind of reading up on this a little bit, apparently the reason that Square went and talked to Nintendo about this was because they were having problems breaking into the U.S. market at the time. Yes, and actually, there was an interview that uh, took place with uh, Yoshi uh, Hongo in Nintendo, mm-hmm. and this was for the Maximum, the video game magazine, ninety five. He said that a Square RPGs game sold really well in Japan, but not in the overseas. Mm-hmm. There had been a call from people of all ages in Japan and then abroad, and especially from young girls, that they wanted another character they could become attached to. And Mario was hugely popular. He was already extremely yep. visible. He already had like half a dozen or a dozen games. Yep. And Square RPGs had always sold well. So uh, director Miyamoto... From which you should probably know is the guy who developed all the Mario games. Oh uh, yeah, I would hope you know. Been interested in doing a Mario <laughs> RPG, and there was a chance for both companies to talk, and it went really, really well. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of an interesting series of circumstances that led to this because I was doing a little bit of digging, and I think this is the first time that I could find that two companies partnered on such a close level, really, with yeah. such a big IP. Because normally, whenever something like this happens, they're like, "Oh, we'll let you play around with, say." Kirby or somebody that's a little less uh, still known but a little less known it's not our main guy yeah. essentially and and with all intents and purposes Mario is Nintendo's masthead he was and actually now that I'm thinking about it, there was actually a precedent for the Mario series for this uh Dr. Mario came out in 1990 yep and that was actually published by a de- developed by a different studio as well which I'm not a huge fan of Dr. Mario but Hey, you know, I'm not either, but it is a cult classic in a lot of circles. I think I, it. I think I, I think it was. Yeah, I think that's what I said. I think it was. I think it was them trying to kind of uh, jump on that Tetris kind of like you know fanaticism 
which to be fair, I don't think you're ever going to be able to find catch that lightning in the bottle ever again. Cause that was just, it was just a thing. The and, simplicity of it and just kind of the exponential complexity of such a small yep. system, I think was made it big. Pion Pion, I think is popular in Japan right yes. now. And there's even like a Tetris versus Pion Pion thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's apparently quite popular, but kind of like the sharks and the jets, they all come out and they start snapping their fingers and it's just like, yeah. And they had, then they're like, throw blocks at each other. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? Anyways, I'm talking out my butt. Anyways, continue. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting what kind of led to this because it's a strange liaison of companies and concepts and the timing of it coming out at the very, very end of the console's lifespan is interesting too. So, yeah. So you, I remember you, you, you were telling me this, that it was, it was about four months before just their, four months before this thing came out and the game actually went into development. I want to say in the second quarter of 95. And at this point, Super Mario 64 had already been in development for yeah. a whole year. Yeah. Actually, maybe even a year and a half at that point. Yeah, because that was because that was going to be their that was going to be their launch title for the sixty four. The next console was already on the horizon. In fact, its release date was already coming up before they even started this. Mm -hmm. Which we've talked about this a lot of times before with these late generation games that come out at the tail end of the console's lifespan. A lot of times they can yeah. be the best games that ever were made for that console, yeah. and a lot of them are just financial flops because just the timing is bad. Well, yeah, like you said, timing is bad, but at the same time, though, it, it gets it's you're able to put all the resources that are going to be going into uh, that that the system can use, and you're going to basically push it to its absolute limits because you already know what it can do. Exactly, the teams are very comfortable working with it. Yep. The technology is very well understood. It's a well-oiled machine. Yep. So, uh, what were we saying? So, there was actually an interview in Nintendo Magazine about Yoshi's Island, which came out in 95, and it kind of falls into a similar category as this. And the developer for that, uh, Shigafumi Hino, said that by that point, the Mario team felt like they had already explored all the creative design space they had for a 2D platform in Mario. Little did they know. <laughs> well, yeah, we've seen a resurgence with 2D platformers lately, especially with the indie oh, yeah. games that are big now. And that's why Yoshi's Island was supposed to be an original project, and that's what they kind of reimagined their idea of a 2D platformer with the, adding the Yoshi component mm -hmm. to everything. But, and I think Super Mario 64 had already started, so this was a place where the developers from the Mario people were looking to expand their franchise. They knew that the console was at the end of its life, so it was time to do some creative stuff and do some off-the-wall <laughs> Just see, see, see what sticks. And you that's know? what got us Yoshi's Island, which was also a huge success. Yeah. And Shigeru Miyamoto had also had success in branching out Mario to other genres. Like Mario Kart came yep. out in 1992. Yeah. Hugely successful and actually pretty much dumpstered the FFX series that it was pretty much blatantly copying at the time. Of course, the, yeah. multi the multiplayer aspect was new to Mario Kart, but yeah. they've had a lot of success with branching Mario out into other things. Yeah, that's one of those series that still goes to this day. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. it just shows that it's revenue. That was a smart move on their part. Yeah. And, you, and it's kind of something I think they start to notice here. And let me let me ask your opinion on this. Do you notice that, like, this is about the time period they, they kind of start to branch out because you have those early NES days where they basically have basic Mario uh, 1 and 2 um, because it was Mario uh, 2 on SNES, or the NES or the SNES? The Super Mario Brothers 1 and 2 were both on the uh, both on the NES. That's what I thought. And so you kind of notice that like as they as they start to grow with this main IP, 
do you notice that they start to say, hey, if we can branch out, we use these IPs in different types of different genres. And you see it happening at this point, like the first Mario sports games came out shortly after this as well. And they're even, even if they don't make, even if they're not like, the golf ones and the tennis ones, the most remembered. But yeah. They've done baseball games and soccer games. Yeah. And I mean, stuff. just trying different things. They notice that like the, the products don't get stale. And if you do something like, say, you haven't come out with a Mario 3D world in long mm-hmm. enough, they, they're like, oh, we'll kick out a Mario tennis or a Mario all-star sports. And we'll throw in a few extra characters for the, you know, the yeah. Switch or whatever and, it is. They've done this a lot with the Mario genre. Where they wait till a style of game has become well-developed and well-understood. Yep. And then they kick out a highly polished Mario version. Yep. And it's to the credit of the Mario team is that these games are typically very good examples of the genre they're imitating. Yep. And then they just throw Mario on top of it. Yeah. Which, which is something you see in this. Which like, is smart. About more because like just as a RPG, this is a great RPG. Yep. And just adding Mario and that's the icing on the cake. Absolutely. Because it could be something. So that was something else they were talking about too. I remember whenever they were looking at initial designs, I don't know if you saw this, that they initially wanted to do the thing that Square always does, which they're known for medieval setting, medieval setting Mario. (laughs) And Miyamoto luckily kind of put his foot down on this. He's like, they literally come in. They're like, this is what we have an idea for. It was literally Mario on a, on a, on a horse with a sword. And they're like, They look at him and they look at the the guys that came in. I can't remember their names, the guys that worked for Square at the time. But they came in and they, he, he kind of, Miyamoto looks at him and he's like, I don't think that's what we're looking for. He goes, I, I like where you're coming from. and I like the idea of a Mario RPG. I just don't think he's going to have a sword. And so they're like, okay, well, what about a, like a mallet? And they do a mallet. Yeah. And it's kind of funny later on after they kind of start to develop things. I know this is kind of putting, you know, the 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 layers before the the icing on the on the cake for at least as your in your cake metaphor. Um, <laughs> that they actually go to whenever they go to announce the game, mm-hmm. uh, finally and say, "Hey, this is what we've got coming out." Miyamoto and the guy from Square, God, I cannot remember his name for the life of me. But they basically, they literally leave it up to the audience. They're like, "What would you rather see Mario, you know, have wield in this? A sword or a mallet?" And the, the overwhelmingly in the mallet when they literally made two different or uh, they use they use gameplay where Mario has a mallet during the RPG section or the, the actual like uh, battle, battle sections or a mallet. They have two different sections, which I would love to see him with a sword just because it's it's quirky and weird looking just yeah. to know that it's there. I would never play him with a sword. <laughs> Let's be I'm clear on this. Saying, like Mario has already had like a bonking aesthetic. And I, I, exactly. I the sword would not have been as I know, but that that's the thing is like, so that's what they kind of get into eventually. And they kind of show that, hey, you know, we want to try and stay true to these characters while creating something new and wonderful. And, and that's kind of yeah, what I thought. And so they started developing the game in the second quarter of mm-hmm. 1995. And the game eventually ended up being developed as a combination of an isometric 3D platformer. Mm-hmm. With traditional Mario elements like punching floating blocks from below, yeah. and they combined it with all the trappings of an RPG battle system. So, did you know that they originally had it set up? They actually have some tiny little gameplay of it. They had it was like they had the overworld where Mario was on it, mm-hmm. and it was set up just like the old Final Fantasy games where you're traversing. Like, yeah. so they have that in the 2D top down kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and they actually said, Hey. 
to do all this really cool stuff that they want to do, they were like, well, how are we going to do this? Because this, the SNES can't handle all this. Do you want to, do you want me to yeah, tell about that? I can't actually, there's actually a piece of hardware yep. that people, I didn't really know about until I started doing the yeah. research for this, that there's a chip called the SA1 chip. It has an extra processor and extra memory in it. It's inside the cartridges. <laughs> Only six uh, North American yeah. games ever came out with yep. this chip. And if you've wondered why the last few games for the Super NES are so huh. much nicer than the original <laughs> ones, yep. is they literally upgraded the hardware to make it yeah. run. And it, it literally, so it's cool, cool fact I was reading about this. So that single chip has four times the processing power as the SNES like entertainment system yeah. by itself. And I'm like, what? And so that was great. So so <laughs> so the guys that made the the guys they use the same technology that they use to uh render, I believe it was oh God, what game was it? But it was another 3D game that they had just come out with and it was on PC at the time, I think it was yeah. maybe. But they literally use the same technology that they use in the in, like the same like graphics uh, GPU, and they put this in the game cartridge yeah. to make the game run, and that's unheard of. It's it's really astounding, and and this is why Square did the bulk of the development here. Yeah, because uh, like what all did that cartridge happen? I think it said it had a higher clock speed. Yep, it had faster access to RAM. Sorry, we're getting a little nerdy well, on memory, you guys. <laughs> yeah, Capping, better data storage and compression. Like you said, it had direct access memory modes. Yep. It could do bitmap to bit plane transfers. Mm-hmm. And of course, it had built in regional marketing control, which was big for cartridges at the time. Yeah, yeah, that's but, what you have uh, to do. It didn't take people very long to realize that you could just download the data from one SNES cartridge to another. So I don't know what you're talking about, James. <laughs> I would never have ever seen videos on such a thing and why emulators are so awesome now. So. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the topic at hand. Like I said, Miyamoto led this project personally. Square developed the whole game for the most part. Yep. They combined all the role-playing aspects of the previous games up to Final Fantasy VI. So yep. the battle system and the party system and the itemization seems very reminiscent of games like that. It's because it's pretty much exactly the same. Yep. Um, that was the model for the battle sequences they used. Now, for the Mario role-playing part of things, where you're moving around the map, they actually featured eight-direction movement. Yep. Like I said, on isometric 3D space, which to my knowledge is one of the first times this was featured in the game, especially yeah. with full eight-direction freedom in the, three, in the three-quarter perspective. Yeah. And this is where things are a little confusing to me, because like Square says that the game was like 70% developed by the end of this first six months of the first year. Just, wow. But then Nintendo of North America says they received a 60% version, 60% developed version of the game in November of 95. Mm-hmm. And that at that point, they were surprised that there was an RPG battle system. They apparently were not aware that, that was going to be included. In yeah. The so and I think it's just a miscommunication or possibly just not communicating from uh, different parts of the company, which that's not unheard of by different arms of <laughs> corporations like this, even nowadays. Yeah, because at the time, Nintendo North was a much more independent company yep. than the currently very unified structure Nintendo has. Yeah, now now it's everything goes through Japan nowadays. Pretty much. But so. at this time, they would ship off mostly complete versions of games to the North American group where they could localize it. Yep. So, for example, they changed a little bit of things. Like in the Japanese version, the Chancellor was the Mushroom Retainer. And in America, he got called the Mushroom Minister. 
Yeah. Like they changed a lot of the naming stuff. It's just terminology, verbiage, things like that. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But the, the battle screens for the game were developed using pre-rendered sprites like the rest yep. of the game, but included attack animations and as a fairly new thing for the genre at this point, and actually you still don't see it in a lot of games now, the equipment you wore would change the sprites. And yes. so like the items that you were using would be visible on the screen whenever you fought. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of other stuff. Just, just a lot of little things. And I would highly suggest for you guys, if you want to go and kind of dig into some of the stuff, like all the little nuances they had there. Like I said, there are like literally I, I saw a couple videos for it. Hour long videos talking about specifically about like some of the nuances they did mm-hmm. in the programming and stuff like that. And it's really interesting kind of stuff coming from like from from my point of view just watching the 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 small little nuances that they throw in here and things like yeah, that so and it's it has really gorgeous 3d graphics they are incredible considering the hardware they were on and also yeah. this was the beginning of 3d graphics for video no, games absolutely yeah like the the original titles like in for the n64 like we said like mario 64 were still in development and very so much these yeah people weren't just making a game they were also developing the techniques they used to make the game absolutely yeah but, uh, so that's a huge that's a huge deal, especially in a time crunch of like mm-hmm. six seven months. You know, another thing I wouldn't want to miss about the development: the soundtrack was made by Yoko Shinomura. Hats off for her! And yeah, she did an incredible job because she incorporated some of the original Super Mario Brothers arrangements from Ko- Koji Kondo, yep. and she also stole tracks from Final Fantasy IV, which were made by Noburo Uematsu. And so, when you listen to the game, it's not just a beautiful soundtrack, but it it feels like both a Mario game and an RPG because yeah, she incorporated all that stuff into it. And even some of the Easter egg <laughs> sections where there's one part of the game where if you go to the right place, you can find Link sleeping in an inn. And yeah, it'll play or Link Samus music. even, yeah. You can find Samus in actually two places in the game. Yep. And it'll play some of the Metroid music. <laughs> the, the amount of just Easter eggs and little things thrown into this yep. makes it clear this was like a... This was a swan song for the Super DS development team. Absolutely, yeah. It just—it's what I have to think is they put a lot of no, absolutely. So, so, and we've talked a lot about the development and how they've gone into it. Is there anything else you want to talk on that before we move on to the plot? I think that's enough. So let's talk about the seriously deep plot of Super (laughs) Mario RPG, like all Super Mario uh, 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 plots are super deep, right? It's it's a very fun plot. (laughs) <laughs> it's meandering shall we say james say do you not want to talk about the intergalactic war that that <laughs> mario was fighting to save the, the the intergalactic princess and that he's gonna the geopolitical you know commentary that this says about was no we're, we're gonna talk about about, Mar- mario. So, about mario saving the princess <laughs> so and this is actually really entertaining for me i think for anyone this game the game actually lampshades the whole mario series when you start exactly the opening sequence of the game is mario is assaulting bowser's castle to save the princess yep so you go in you go to borrow you go through battle of bowser's castle you battle a few goons yeah you fight bowser and just as you're about to beat him a giant sword descends from the heavens crashes into the castle giant wtf you know it's just like (laughs) what and scatters everyone everywhere this is uh the smithy gang Yep. who's decided to invade the planet. They've descended from outside the world. Because you have nothing better to do because than to invade <laughs> the Mario King, uh, the Mushroom Kingdom, which, yeah. And not only have they had the temerity to wreck Bowser's castle, they've also shattered the Star Road, which is the magical place that grants wishes to children, I guess. Oh, no, James! <laughs> <laughs> they come out of left field. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, that's one of those bizarre things. I was kind of like, I wonder who like where they thought of this, but it's a great concept because the whole the whole point of the game at this point is like you're saying they shattered the star road and it's shattered the stars of words. You you have to basically build the road back up so you can send them back away. You have, yes. so you have to go out and collect all the stars. And I think this is the first Mario game that features you collecting stars. Now, in this one, you're yeah. awarded the stars at the end of each kind of story section of the game. Yeah, big boss battle. And you're not like hunting for them, but it is notable. I think this is the first game with collectible stars in it. Yeah, I would agree with that, yeah. Um, so the cast of the game includes Mario, obviously, the princess. Yeah. Toad's not a playable party member. He just kind of is around. Yeah, he's just around, yeah. There is a character, Mallow, who is like a cloud boy, who's convinced he is, in fact, a tadpole. <laughs> he's my cloud boy. <laughs> Go ahead, anyways. He's a, he's a crybaby. <laughs> yeah, he is a crybaby, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's Gino, who is a girl's favorite doll, who's been possessed by a celestial spirit from the Star Road. Is he this girl's favorite girl doll? I'm just saying, Gino has the most, <laughs> like, weeboo Final Fantasy <laughs> characterization of this whole thing. He is literally a doll from a little girl possessed by an ageless spirit. He's got like a gun for an arm. I mean, it's some real Final Fantasy shit. It really is. They're like, they're like, oh, you won't let us like use any of their. Char- we won't use Luigi or Waluigi or Wario. We're just gonna make our own character. That's 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 Square right there. Yeah, the Square is showing through in that one. Just a little bit. And the fact that he has not been featured in anything since then. Actually, he's he's been oh, in. Yeah, a, he was a. He was a little icon in uh, Paper Mario on the Paper Mario games. He was a cameo actually. in the Paper Mario, and he's been. Uh, I think he's a statue that you can collect in some of the. Oh, he some they, of the Smash Brothers games. Like you can't play as him, but he's like they a they give a they give him a uh, you have a Geno costume in the new Smash game. Oh, I didn't know this. So you can, game. but it, it's a costume on the me character. So it's it's like them going, look, you can be Geno, like going in a roundabout way, you know. You they're like, no, no, you didn't. But yeah, I don't think Square will ever give anybody the rights for them to Which put them on there. I don't think I would want a Geno character, but a Mallow character for Smash Brothers would be amazing. You already have Mallow. It's Kirby. It's not the same, though. I mean, Mallow <laughs> punches things. He could have the curing rain for himself. I mean, it'd be a cool character. It would be pretty cool. I I would dig that. I I could watch it. So there's you actually there's a couple extra. There's one more character I think you missed. Oh, um, uh, Bowser. That's right, he's, the he's man a himself. Teammate character because he is so butthurt that his castle has been taken over that he will even join Mario. That's right. He's a back. he's a big fat crybaby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you literally have a scene with him where it's like big like tears that go <laughs> up and down his eyes, and I'm like, this is great. So you've got a cast of like six characters that you gather yeah. over the first few chapters of the game. You can mm-hmm. play with any three of them at a time. Yep. So classic on your, RPG on your kind party, of. It's like a classic Final Fantasy style thing. Yeah. So each character. Do you want to go over what each character uh, primarily does in the party? Just real quick. Oh, sure, we can do it real quick. So the game has a shared. Uh, resource system. So instead of having like an MP pool, there's a flower points pool. Yeah. Which everyone, it's like a shared MP pool for the whole party. So every character has basic attacks and they have special attacks. Yep. And this game incorporates a button press system, which again, I think it was one of the early games in the genre to that, do this. That timing system, they yeah. The timing system, both for attacks and for defense and for the Mario game. It's nice because one, the timing windows are actually pretty easy to hit, at least for an adult. Yeah. So quick little note on that. Did you know 
I'm just, you know, tons of wisdom today and random <laughs> facts, guys. So, uh, one of the, my job. <laughs> I, mean, I know, right. Usually, Hey, you know what? Sometimes we, we switch roles we switch sometimes. Job, yeah. uh, anyways, sometimes I'm the annoying punster. <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay. okay. I've got some good ones saved up. Leave me alone. Okay. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Anyways. Um, uh, so that timing system, uh, one of the developers on square actually said the, the idea from that came from a Japanese, uh, children's toy actually, where it's really? a, it's, it's a musical game where it's like, it's plays songs and to continue the song, you have to, they have to hit the button. It's one of like two or three buttons that children have to hit. Yeah. And to make the song go. So they had to hit it in a timed manner. And that's where they got that idea from. Mm-hmm. So it's a literally a children's toy came up with that idea for them, which is actually hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, you know, simple things work that way, but yeah, it's, I thought that was really interesting. So, yeah. And so, and this is actually one of the ways, which at least in our friend group, we would play together for this game. Yeah. That, uh, whenever your character came up, you got to hit the button for yeah. the special attacks. <laughs> and I always got to play Bowser, which was amazing. So I love I love Bowser. I still love Bowser because my Switch case, obviously. Yeah, I so. usually did Mario. Yeah, because so each character though had its own kind of like play style, obviously. I know we're gonna we're kind yeah. of derailing ourselves so, yeah, a little like, bit. Mario, Mario hit things with hammers and yeah. he had jump attacks. He was attacks. what I from I remember he's one of them he's the very very much more like very well rounded character. Yeah, so he, he was all purpose kind yeah, of guy. He could do an AoE fireball thing and he could do a single target jump. Yeah. Bowser had mostly single target attacks. He was the big tanky guy that could take a lot of damage and do a lot of single target kind of damage. Yeah, Mallow was kind of the caster of the group. He had he, some single target healing. Kind of a glass character, yeah, honestly. Yeah, and he had some Thunderbolt type spells he could do. Yeah, he did a lot of AoEs, like you said. Um, mass, uh, what was I, what I, what I hear? It was, it was mass, uh, mass, mass screen attack so basically all the bad guys on the screen he could hit at once and it was like usually either a little bit above average damage um so it was good though i I like playing with him so we had princess peach who's heal she was the healer and essentially there's a couple items in the game i remember if you attach him to her she could literally never die and your party would never die then yes and there's uh some notable things here (laughs) (laughs) When we talk about some of the secrets in the game, we can mention some of them. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Because there is a lot. And then you have the final character, which is uh, Gino, Gino, which I would classify him as more of like a glass cannon, like yeah. high high damage, low HP. Low HP so yeah, Like a single target gun. He had some interesting special attacks. I, I want to mention the Gino spin, which is like his second or third when he learned, because it yeah. had a pretty interesting it had a Final Fantasy Easter egg in it where... If you hit the the A button, you know the the trigger button, mm-hmm. just before the attack faded off the screen, so way after you were supposed to, mm-hmm. you deal nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine damage to. I did not know that. Kind of a, a limit break, not <laughs> <laughs> just because <laughs> you know. That's that's just Square being Square again. <laughs> They're like, you know what? You're going to limit what we can do with these characters, so we're just going to make it bizarre a little yeah, bit. I that's I like that. If we if I realized that was a thing when we were playing the game as kids, I we would have used Gino more. I don't know what you, James, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not like as kids, I don't know what you were talking about whenever you say like we would try to break games. Yeah, I'm no, just saying. Of course not. 
never, never would do that. So as you kind of go through the story, you collect these characters, mm-hmm. but it's but you get it through by going through each of the story elements. And do you kind of want to go over some of the highlights? I don't want to go over the whole game because obviously, a ton of story here, even but... though I know the game's been out for almost twenty years, you know, I want I don't want to ruin it for people a lot because it's this a great one, game. This one has held up well. Absolutely. I, I, so I actually went back and played it again on an emulator about five years ago because damn you, Nintendo, you won't release it for the Switch. And it annoys me. So I, I was like, you know what? Fine, then I'm going to go back and play it on, on an emulator. Yeah, they did release it for the fucking Wii U, of course. The console no one had got a lot of the. How, how did they get to Square to say, hey, we'll release it to the, U, re, the Wii U? It makes no sense. Actually, is it on the Switch online library? No, it's not. I promise. Released a lot of SNES I, games on the Switch. Let me let me now. let me look real quick. Keep talking on the Nintendo Online. Anyway, you know what, James? So the plot basically, like we said, the uh, Star Road is invaded. You start out by working through the Mushroom Kingdom area. You find out from Toad what has happened and going on in the world, and then from there it brings you through the world, which has a lot of original stuff in it. So you go to um, let's see. You uh, meet Frog Fucius, who is supposedly Mao's grandfather. He lives in the frog area. And there's a lot of tadpole and frog-related side quests. You travel to Rosetown, where you meet the star spirit, Gino. You battle a bow-like creature called Boer there. Uh, from there, you move to... Uh, it, is not, it is not currently available on Switch. Sorry. Now that's a shame. There's a Booster's Tower where you fight this uh, like amusement park type owner mm-hmm. booster. This is also where you encounter Bowser. And you actually end up getting Peach, I think, at the, the end of that. Uh, yeah. There's a underwater area next, which I think is one of the harder sections of the game. Yeah, it really is. Because the difficulty takes a pretty big spike up at that point. Yeah, that's the third or fourth star, isn't it, with Johnny? Fifth, I think. Fifth? Right okay. Now. Yeah. And that's because uh, that's where you fight the octopus and go through the underwater thing. Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you get your five star pieces, then you go to Nimbus Land, then Barrel Volcano, and then you finally go back to Bowser's Castle. <laughs> There's way too much plot here to go over all of it. It's it has like a Final Fantasy style plot where you go through each yeah. section, and each section has its own little story to it. Yeah, and you move on to the next one. And it's really fun, but like so throughout the whole game, though, you come across like. A couple different series of characters, and you 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 meet like some of the baddies. Like obviously, we talked about Johnny. You'll fight uh, a thieving T Rex. Mm-hmm. Um, you you'll fight the uh, uh, what are they called? The not the Geno Rangers. The um, what are they called? The Ranger. The, the oh, that's in the Barrel Volcano area. Yeah, yeah. There's this Power Ranger esque series. They're literally just a rip off of the the Power Rangers. Is what they are because mm-hmm. they have the same colors and like all the stereotypes are the same, but they all have like little different like weapons and things. Yeah, there's an underwater shark captain with a pet kraken. You have to fight. Yeah, Johnny. Yeah. Um, Booster's tower is great because he's trying to marry the princess. Mm-hmm. Uh, against her will, <laughs> which is far more successfully than Bowser ever was, I have to say. Obviously, it's slightly more rapey too, but it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you have to like. There's a stealth section where you infiltrate his tower and you hide yeah. behind his curtains. There's yep. a chase section where you have to chase him, and I think the final boss is actually the giant monstrous wedding cake. Yeah, because you fight the clown and or the knife guy, and you fight the ball, the ball guy, the balance guy mm-hmm. on the top of the tower, and then you go. To the town where Malo is from, mm-hmm. 
or the Noah's the Toad Town, yeah. and that's where you you have to infiltrate the like the city hall area, and then you go fight the yeah fight you the fight the cake. cake yeah because you actually never fight Booster ever. No, you never fight Booster. He just kind of <laughs> runs off and does his thing like a little like a little pansy, but as it is, <laughs> but but yeah, you you go through all these different areas and you fight all these different like bad guys. It, it's just great because they're each unique for their own little area, so it's not like the same thing over again, which is highly unique, which I think that's kind of where uh, uh, Nintendo kind of had a little bit more input, which they kind of, they said they wanted to have a little bit more brightly colored schemes and slightly different bosses throughout the whole thing. Because unfortunately what's, that's the one kind of gripe I have with some, some square stuff Mm -hmm. is that some of the main, some of the bosses that you have to fight, they kind of get, you know, repetitious a little bit. You get a little repetitious where they're not, they're just not very well themed. Like mm-hmm. they're cool pieces of art, but it's really just another giant stat block. Exactly, right exactly. And that's like I think that's kind of where Nintendo put their their fingers in. We're like, hey, we are really good at designing characters. They're really colorful characters. They're fun stories, yeah. and they're just interesting. Exactly. And, you know, even even like say, let's go with the 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 Johnny guy. Like even his little backstory. It's literally like he just wants to rule the seas, and that's like, as simple as it wants to be. And he goes, I want to be the best pirate ever or something as simple as like booster is like he just wants literally he doesn't even really want to marry peach he just wants to have a, a somebody to play trains with is what he ends up being that is literally what he wants and it's something simple like that and it's, it has nothing sexual about it but he just wants to some someone to play trains with and it's just like mm-hmm. okay that makes a lot of sense and it's something basic and simple like that it's something child like that that's mm-hmm. like nintendo would come up with right yeah definitely so but yeah so I love I love the setting and, and like it's kind of like this overworld map where you can kind of go to different sections and things like that. Um, but that's and that's see, like the art for different sections is inspired by the art of different sections of Mario games. Yeah, like the Mushroom Kingdom is like the Donut Plains type area. Yeah, the uh, the Yoshi Tadpole area is like the Yoshi Falls maps. Yep. There's a volcano area. There's a vine, the Nimbus area. Yeah, like which is kind of the, cl- the, like the viney maps. The clown, the cloud area too, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And like the cloud maps, and they're also like the giant mushroom maps in the original Mario. Oh games. yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, the shark one is like the underwater levels. Yeah. So you see the levels thematically represented. Mm-hmm. They're they're not direct copies though. Like so, they put their own original story and characters on them. And a lot of these you don't see in any other game. No, you don't. But it does. It does feel like a Mario game. You go through a lot of the stuff, and there's even some sewer levels. Yep. But anyway, <laughs> Which you, some of where you fight Bellum, <laughs> or the, the giant uh, tiger? Is there a cat? What is he? I don't know. Maybe I don't know what he. I know he's actually supposed to be a specific creature, but I always thought he was just like a cat because he licks you when he attacks. So that's why I assume. Yeah, he's one of the earlier bosses you have to fight. It's bizarre, and then you like make he makes it flood or whatever it is, and then you go down the river raft. But anyways, let's talk about the gameplay a little bit before. So, <laughs> we said we wouldn't do it, but we're doing it anyways. So anyway. Like I said before, it's an isometric 3D platformer, so mm-hmm. I don't know if any younger viewers would know what an isometric game is. This Probably is, not. Everything nowadays, it's it's built off of polygons and oh, yeah, things like games that. these days are usually either 2D side-scrollers yeah. or full 3D. So isometric yeah. is like a halfway 3D. Where yeah, you got that tilted it's like screen. It's a quarter turn, so the game yeah. is still made up of like fundamentally squares and 2D elements, but it's turned three quarters, and it's usually three quarters up as well. You get that, you get that uh, like you said, that, that partial... Uh, 3d perspective almost it yeah. looks 3d but it's not 3d <laughs> yeah it looks 3d but you're locked into a single point of view for yeah. the most part 
it has 3D platforming elements. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of jumping puzzles. There's a lot of sections where you have to find invisible blocks, where yep. you're jumping under things like Mario. It has RPG style party management battles, though. It has RPG style storytelling and cutscenes. Mm-hmm. There's no random encounters in the overworld. It's all enemies are visible. Yep. So and you have you can instigate all the all the all of them now. Yeah, something like think Crow Trigger had stuff like that. Yep. But, they um, did, yeah. There is a lot of 3D puzzle solving elements, so like 3D mazes where you can only partially see it. There's some block pushing puzzles, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh the button pressing timing system was new for this game. The characters having visibly equipped items and stuff was a new feature for this game which let's go let's let me ask you so do you remember some of the items that they had in the, for the people like so, obviously you said you know like gino has the arm attack and the, the gun type things yeah, like gino what had guns mario had mostly mallets but mm-hmm. he also had a few shells including mm-hmm. the lazy shell which which is a big it's a big big so one yeah we were mentioning before secrets for this game mm-hmm. there are some deep secrets for this game some seriously deep secrets yeah some some that are better hinted at than others yeah like to get the lazy shell and armor it's the best armor and weapon in the game Mm -hmm. early on in the game way early in the game in rose town a character mentions to you the legendary seed and fertilizer they want yes and you have to go through the game until you beat valentina who's one of the last bosses yep and once you've beaten Valentina in the Nimbus area, then you can explore it. In the far side of the town, there's an area where you can walk across invisible blocks that don't exist. Yep. To an extra platform. There's a shy guy who's normally an enemy, but you can talk to him this time. And he gives you the legendary fertilizer. The seed comes from being another box. And then you're still supposed to remember that you can come back to this town and plant it. You grow a giant vine. You can get the lazy shell and armor. Yep. And that is one of the easier secret items to find. Yes. Not... <laughs> That's, that is nothing on the knife guy. Hundred, hundred was the hundred left or right or whatever that thing is. I can't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, so you're talking about Great Guys Casino, which is stupid. Like whoever thought that up was just like so want to be sadistic. All, the game doesn't tell you the casino exists. Yeah, to get to it. <laughs> it's in the bean. To get to it, it's in the bean valley. There's a bunch of pipes. You have to go down the upper pipe. There's a chain yep. chomp boss you have to fight. And then if you keep jumping in the corner pointlessly long yep. enough, a door will open to the casino. But wait, you can't enter the casino until you have a bright card. That's right. And you don't get the bright card until you go back to Booster's Castle, right? Yeah, you have to go back to Booster's Castle where there's the knife guy who, <laughs> who will play a game with you. You have to guess which hand the yellow ball is in. But wait, if you play the game and win about 12 times, not that the game ever actually tells you this, 12 times in a row, mind you, yep. he'll give you a bright card. He doesn't tell you what it's for, and I hope you don't sell it because there's no way to get a second one. That is how you get to the casino. <laughs> God, sadistic sons of bitches. This is what they are. Well, and this is a classic square RPG thing. Yep. Is that there's puzzles, and if you mess it up, it's just gone. Yep. You have to get it right. Yep. And even after that, so from what I even gathered, even after you get the bright card, you have to go back to the casino. Yep. And use it to get in the door. Yep. And then you find was it the other? It's not the knife guy again. Was it? Was it the ball guy? Yeah, I think so. It's the other guy you fight, and he does it where you basically have to look away. Is it? Is it, it's called the look away challenge. I think so and you have to do it a hundred times. <laughs> so he either he either pull, puts up his left hand or his right hand. You have to look the opposite way a mm-hmm. hundred times in a row, <laughs> in a row. Yeah. Without messing up, otherwise you have to start all over again. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous ridiculous it is ridiculous 
But if you're able to beat this challenge, what do you get, James? What is the what prize do they win, James? What do you get for the, for the casino challenge? What do you get? I don't remember. Let me look real quick. Well, so look at that, and I will tell you about another item: the B tub ring. And this is one I didn't even know about until I researched for this video. So if you remember, there's a rare item shop in the kind of uh, it's near the booster area, that kind of cave mole area. Mm-hmm. And the, the rare item shop is where they sell the metal plate, which is also a secret because it's uh, it's called a metal plate and it says it looks like a frying pan and you think it's useless and it costs like 9,000 coins or something. But it's actually Princess Peach's best weapon. Yeah. And it single-handedly changes her from a useless character to actually a really strong attacker. Exactly. Which, yeah, her attacks normally don't do a lot. But anyways. But get this. If you buy the B-tub ring, mm-hmm. which is a bathtub ring, obviously, yeah. it, cuts, it cuts elemental damage <laughs> on you. It's a decent item. And you buy the useless mystery egg. So you equip them both in the same character. Actually, uh, yeah, you equip this. You have B-Tub Ring has to be on Peach, and you also equip her the mystery egg. Then you have to use the to- use the mystery egg ten times, and it does nothing. If you do that, it will hatch and turn into the lamb's lure, <laughs> which is like a minor healing item. Oh my God. Now, if you use this item 48 times, <laughs> it will change into the sheep attack, which when used will turn all enemies on the screen into sheep that run away. That's ridiculous. It so she's like ridiculous. super overpowered at that point. You're just like, yes. what? So I was looking up. So you actually get the star egg, which is, mm-hmm. is that is something for extra end game stuff. Do you remember? It's like an end game boss that they put in afterwards. Uh, the you to get to him. Oh, that was part of getting the Culex, wasn't it? Yeah, Culex, which is just a straight up Final fan or uh, uh, Final Fantasy uh, like end boss guy yeah. that you have to fight. It's it's, lit- uh, it's ridiculously hard boss that that you literally just have to have patience to try to whittle away, and you have to you. It's almost guaranteed that you have to be at max level to fight this guy. Yeah, Otherwise, you will die. He is Culex, the Dark Knight of Vanda, it, and to access him, you have to go to Moville. You have to buy the useless fireworks. Yep. Then you have to go to the little mole's pretend store, trade the fireworks for a shiny stone. Yep. You have to go to Monstro Town and find the otherwise unremarkable sealed door and yep. use it on the door. Yep. Then you can find Culex in this like extra dimensional sealed space. And he's like an extra dimensional knight or something. Bean or whatever it is, yeah. He is a bullshit difficult boss. Exactly. Like they you said, you have to have a, a dedicated maxed out party with the best beer in the game. Yep. And you have to abuse the limited use, like best items in the game, the yep. red charms and stuff that you get. Yep. And he's still ridiculous. Yep. And like I said, it's I remember seeing somebody play that. Like they, that was their whole thing was to get to him and try to beat him. And it literally, it probably took them, you know, three or four days, you know, max out their characters. And this was them playing like nonstop, like twelve yeah. or fourteen hours a day. And I'm like, that is insane. And then they get to him, and I'm like, and it literally took them max out characters. This is like a two hour fight. I'm like two hours. That's that's like a raid almost, like an early like prototype <laughs> proto raid kind of thing. And it's just like my god, man, it's ridiculous. And there are tons of little side quests and stuff. Yep, that you can do. Like uh, you can compose songs in the Froggy Town. Yep, there's an entire Yoshi racing gambling ring on the Yoshi Island area. Because why not throw gambling because into Yoshi? Not? You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and you can win Yoshi cookies, which you can use to turn enemies into items, right? That makes sense. Whatever. You know, it's just like that's just square being square again. The game so. is absolutely packed to the brim yep. with hidden items, invisible blocks, extra gear, mm-hmm. 
it has a full Final Fantasy style gearing system where like every town you go to has a new set of armor and weapons. And you're just you're just constantly upgrading, which you're makes sense, upgrading. you know. And 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 it's one of those things is like you can get these you can you can get uh the these big like massive like game changing mm-hmm. weapons and armor and things like and items. But if you want to, you can stay with the normal gear okay. and you can beat the game, which is great. Definitely. It's it's not unheard of. I mean, I don't know how many times we did it, but it definitely makes it a little bit more challenging, which I kind of enjoy that a little bit. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know how, how how you feel about that, but I, I don't think we ever really found any of the, the crazy in-game stuff when we first played it. We knew about the lazy shell. Yeah. And we knew about the frying pan. Yeah, because I think one of us had bought a strategy guide that had that in it. Probably you or Chris. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say you or Chris probably, probably bought it. Chris, he tended to buy most of those. <laughs> he had the, the printed, the old printed strategy guy from the game. Oh, and we knew yeah. the Culex was there, but I don't think we ever actually beat him. No, we tried a few times and we died. I don't think I ever went to the casino. No. And I know I never figured out the VTUB ring stuff. And there's kind of other secrets we didn't mention. So there. a little part of me kind of wants to go back and play through again just to find that kind of stuff because that would be fun. I'd be there. I, I would I would totally be down yeah because like I said I mean like I said I do have a couple of those SNES um, uh, 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 emulators on some Raspberry Pis that I've been trying to uh, set up I just need to get it all squared away and I really want to throw uh, Mario RPG on there I'll I just got the Raspberry Pi set up because fucking oh my that'd be freaking great I would be down with that have the raspberry pi hardware i just gotta get it out so that's all <laughs> i gotta do and jackie says it's a waste of time i was like thousands of games what are you talking about it's about 20 bucks to set up it's worth that's what i said raspberry pies are the wave of the future but anyways that's what i used to do whenever i had to do away rotations whenever i had to leave kirksville and go down to columbia oh. i brought the, my little raspberry pi game i plugged into the tv there and that's yeah. what i did well, I mean, it, like I said, it's super easy to use. Ask, if you guys, so that's one thing I'm going to say, shout out is don't waste your guys' money on these retro pie systems that they sell like from like Nintendo or Sega because you can make these things for literally $20. Don't pay $120 for these things. You but can, anyways. I'm required to say that you should own the copy of the game when you're making a legitimate backup. Yeah, yada, yada. Pirating... Pirating is bad. You wouldn't, bad. you wouldn't steal a car, James. I know. You wouldn't steal an airplane. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> mandatory display. Sorry, you guys don't know. You guys are probably too. Some of you guys are too young to remember those commercials. I'm just saying, we can't advocate for that. Even yep. if we don't necessarily disagree. <laughs> anyway, reception wise, so, yes, yes. Uh, Japanese audiences, of course, received this game very, very well. Mm-hmm. 1.47 million copies got sold in Japan. It was the third best-selling game in Japan, 1996. Yep. The U.S. and uh, North North American and European releases surpassed Nintendo's expectations. When they shipped the game in May of 96, they shipped 300,000 units to retailers. Uh, 200,000 of those got sold out within the first month, and the representatives were extremely optimistic about the game. Yep. By August 2024th, it had been the most rented game in the U.S. for 20, for 14 weeks straight. Now, that's another old Old school concept. Renting video games. You go to the Blockbuster and you say, Mom, I want to rent this game. And she's that looks cute and friendly because it's a Mario or a Mario game. And you're like, this is amazing. I know. And you're sitting there with your friends thinking, well, it'll cost me six bucks to rent it for two days. Yep. Or about $60 to buy it. Is this game going to take? How many rentals will this game take to beat? 
Should well, I buy this one or should I rent this one? And then you start thinking, it's like, well, if I don't do my schoolwork right when I or when I get off of school every day and I just play <laughs> video games for four hours before dinner and then I get done with dinner and I come home and I play and I say, mom, I'm going to bed. I just turn the sound <laughs> down really low. Hypothetically, this might have been a, a few things that we've done a few times. So, yeah. and so the <laughs> game sold in total 2,310,000 units. Yep. It was the 19th best-selling game on the SNES console history, which, especially considering it came out four months before the N64 debuted, yeah, that was is really rid- freaking amazing. Ridiculous. And honestly, if if the N64 or the, the N64's launch uh, would have been pushed back at all, I think it would have shot up even more. It would have. And this game was originally slated for an early spring release and got pushed back by development. So if it had came out in January, even it might have made double that that's kind of what i was thinking but obviously just looking at this it's been super well received Mm -hmm. multiple through multiple sources thing that it's been it gets thrown on like it's from what i can see it's always on a top 100 video games of all time Mm -hmm. get list just because from the simple fact that it's meshes two great genres and with icon you know from two you know amazing um uh studios i mean you never and that's the thing is the problem is that you're never going to get anything like this again because from what I gather, there was a huge. Don't start with me, James. It's not. It's not Mario, and it's not. It's not an RPG anymore. It's. It's the. It's different. It's. Although. Although it, it is kind of like it is the bastard low child of it, though, because when you think about it, it's Square. Yeah. Making a Square style RPG for another studio. Square. I mean, Kingdom Hearts is pretty much Mario RPG, but with Disney instead. The thing is, I, I do like, I, I do, do, I do like, I do like Kingdom Hearts. Don't get me wrong. I have, especially the first Kingdom Hearts, the second and third one, whatever, but the first one, especially. So I haven't played the third one yet. It's, it's sitting back here just waiting yeah. to be played. So, and I, I really, I really want to play it, but I have to get to the second one. The second one's kind of a slog for me right now. I'm trying yeah, to, I'm trying to get through it. I didn't enjoy that one very much, which is why I haven't really played the third and one. And to be fair, I haven't, I haven't beaten Sephiroth on the first one yet. Come on. He's hard, and I don't think I would leveled up enough, and I don't want to go back and replay it again. I tried to, like, find a save file, and it wasn't working, and I'm like, I'm just pissed, so I should have, I should have like, saved a little bit before Maleficent and actually, like, just, like, powered up a bunch, so that's my fault, and I don't want to do it again. I'm basically trying to talk myself into replaying the game again (laughs) is what I'm trying to do. So, obviously, like I said, with the sequel, it's... People, this thing was so received, they were actually kind of calling for a sequel on the 64 right yes and so originally the paper mario game the original paper mario game was entitled super mario rpg 2 for the 64 it got renamed to paper mario right before its release which i think was a good name title for it but in a lot of ways that's the spiritual successor to the series there was also a mario and luigi RPG there, style series. There's a whole that's those are mostly uh, set up for like Game con- Boy console games, yeah, like 3DS type yeah. titles. But there's not really a direct sequel. I mean, Mario Paper Mario is the closest. It has flower points in it yeah. instead of mana bars and stuff. It has the same timed action commands during battles. Yeah. It also collects seven stars. Mm-hmm. That's the closest thing to a sequel. And I would caution people that the entire Paper Mario series is not an RPG series. Yeah, just the original Paper Mario and then the Ten Thousand Year Door. Those two, yes, all absolutely. The other ones are not really RPGs at all. No, they're not. not I, I would agree not with that. Saying they're bad games, but they're not the same. Series. They're definitely not RPGs, and I think the problem with us seeing an actual successor or an actual sequel to the uh, Super, the Legend of the Seven Stars 
to make things less convoluted for people is that apparently from what I've gathered, Square and Nintendo kind of had a bit of a falling out after this because they kind of, due to its success, actually. Mm -hmm. And I think Square wanted to assert its creativeness a little bit more and Nintendo just wasn't having it, which I hate to say it, that's very typical of Nintendo. You, they don't like people going really going outside the box with their with their IP. They like to have a lot of control on their IP, which kind of makes a lot of sense Pretty to be fair. Control especially. Yeah, and they yeah, they're they're controlling. It's a very controlling company to work for. Well, to be fair though, it's that's that's how they make their money, which to be if it was my thing, I would want to like say if I made some crazy character like here we have toys on the on the on the table for people that are that are, <laughs> that distractible. are distractible, you know. Um, but we have a Psyduck. If I created Psyduck and he was super popular, and this is Golduck. Sorry, this is Golduck. I, I apologize. Gonna, I wasn't going to shame you on air. Shame me. Shame me. Yeah, it's that, that's that's Golduck. That's Golduck. If I made if I made a Gold Golduck is so ugly, you could never mistake him for the Psyduck. We're moving on, James. <laughs> I've screwed up, okay? <laughs> oh my god. Ten lashes later for David, right? Anyway, the point, like you were saying. Is it's that- if I made this character, I and mean, they made this IP, and it was hugely successful, I would probably want to have a decent amount of control over it, because it's my livelihood, and that's essentially kind of where they come from, which I can kind of under... I can, I can understand where they're coming from, but at the same time is, how tight is that grip that you're basically suffocating creativity and ingenuity, essentially, you know? Well, I wouldn't go that far, though, because while I think Square chafed a little bit under it, mm-hmm. they have had an incredibly series, successful series of spinoffs and stuff for their characters. Oh, absolutely. And so they've actually been very creative and very groundbreaking when it comes to the actual games. Yes. Like uh, we mentioned Yoshi's Island earlier. We mentioned mm-hmm. Mario Kart. We mentioned uh, Mario Party. Like a lot of the games they make do explore new spaces. They do explore new things. I mean, hell, look at Luigi Mansion. It's not really my cup of tea, but also an incredibly successful series. Yeah, I mean, I tried playing AI. I I thought it was fun. I just wasn't into it. But anyways. It's fun, but it's not really my thing. <laughs> but I think maintaining their IPs has been part of it because a lot of it just goes back to the mascot culture of Japan. It's like maintaining the purity of that mascot is part of what has made Nintendo so successful. Mm-hmm. Like they have their core characters, their Mario, their yeah. Link. You know, Kirby eventually became a Nintendo character. Yeah, and that's part of what they really leaned on as a company to keep them going. Mm-hmm. And and, and that's, that's one different huge difference between the Japanese culture and American culture because you can look at things like my companies like Microsoft. They will whore out Master Chief to no end. They're like, do you want to throw him a Mountain Dew? Throw him a Mountain Dew. We're going to do all this stuff. And like, you want to do whatever you want with him? They, they honestly, they, like I said, that's, we have, we understand that's an IP and they're like, hey, there's certain specifications that you can have for these characters, but we want you to put them in as much as possible. Well, if you can. And that's the thing. I mean, uh, we have some pretty popular games. Mm-hmm. And we enjoy franchises as a game franchise, yeah. but when they're played out, they're played out. We don't yeah. keep bringing them back. And, and nothing to near the success of like Mario so, I mean, so or Mass Zelda, Effect, for example, is a very beloved game series. Yep. But do people remember Tsara, the character, as being an iconic character? No, no, not really. You talk about the gameplay of Mass Effect, you don't really think about the characters. 
Not really. No, I mean, you know, you know, you might know. I know that it was in it was it's the NC seventeen spaceship or yeah. and it's just like well, that's kinda cool, you know, and I kinda remember that it's Commander it's Commander Shepard is mm-hmm. his name. I know Command yeah. I know the main character, yeah. but I don't really the lore is interesting and there's some cool books about yeah. it, but it's just they don't build mascots and characters. No the same way that the Japanese studios do like, and to be fair though, when Mario was created though, it wasn't the, 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 the ecosystem wasn't as cluttered mm-hmm. yet. And sure. things were not as being fought over and they didn't expect video games to really last as long as they did. And it was kind of amazing that they did. Yeah. So. And the, the expected payoff for each game was different and the yeah. development time put in was different. Yeah. So, this this game was depending on the source you read, it was created in less than a year. Yeah, from, I, from I would totally agree with that. From the time it was started to the time it hit the store shelves, which includes a few months of production and shipping, was less than a year. Yeah, and they had a big turnaround for it. And this was one of the most produced games of the time period. Absolutely, like for the old NES games, there's a reason there's thousands of them. Most of them have a development time of less than a couple months. And they were expected to be flashes in the pan. I mean, make quick, quick buck and move on, and basically yeah. recoup their losses and move on to they whatever. Like a Raspberry Pi. Like if you look at the list of games that were available, it's like for the NES, there's thousands and thousands, thousands. And thousands of them. You look at the SNES, there's like nine hundred. Yeah, quite you, enough, but it's still less than a thousand easily. Less. You look at the N64, there's I think three hundred or something. Yeah. It's, and like, it's, and the it's number a, of games yeah. gets decreased almost by an order of magnitude. It's, I, th- I think it's obviously because it, the time for development increases exponentially. Mm-hmm. And it's just the way it is. Yes. And I think, but the thing is, at the same time, that I think that requires for us, for games nowadays, and this is kind of getting a whole other uh, idea there, that the, the type of games or the type of game you're putting out should require a level of polish that makes me want to buy your game and I think that's something that Nintendo is able to put out, especially with like Switch and things like that. Yeah. And that's why I think keeps people loyal to Nintendo is they maintain a consistent level of polish. And they don't, and they will explain to people like, hey, we were trying to get them out this, we were trying to get this game out, you know, this quarter, but it's probably going to be a little bit later because we want to make sure things are good. And they're out front with people like that. It's not like some people, they'll, take a, they'll just use an obvious example, No Man's Sky. They offer a lot of things and they hit their deadline and they, put it out and it is a literal trash, you know, like they literally have nothing in the game, but if they would have waited, you know, two years, two or three years, or even a year for that matter, they could have had a very playable game that people would have probably been a lot more receptive to. And if, if the no man's sky that is out now was released originally, yeah. it would have been a game for the ages. I Absolutely. Guess. It's a lot of fun. Actually, I played it recently and mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun, Yeah, but I remember watching like our buddy Reese play it when it first came out on the PC and he's like, he was pissed. He's like, I, I, I backed this game. I paid for it. And he yeah. goes, I paid $60 for it or whatever it was. He was mad. Yeah. Or so. to pick a less, revi- less reviled example, Diablo three is a good example. Too. Yeah. This is a blizzard game. Yeah. Which is also a company known for its polish and in its original state with the, with the game game auction house and the item drop rates tuned so low and mm-hmm. the, the cash auction house. I mean, it was, it was just not good. No, especially when Hellgate London had just come out beforehand. And I think it was much better. That was know. even, even though I had my issues with it, I still think it was a lot better, but, but yeah, so that without, like I said, going into a whole nother show guys, I think, I think we've kind of 
uh, burnt our bolt. I think we've kind of uh, had this pyre explode. I think we've actually collected all of the seven stars, and I think we've rebuilt the star road. What do you think, James? We've rebuilt the star road. We, yeah. Have we? Have we destroyed? Have we? Have we banished Smithy, Smithy back to? Smithy has been banished to the heavens. That's right. And uh, Mallow has become a prince once more. That's right. He has princely goodness, and has Gino gone? Has Gino gone back to the stars? Gino has once again become an inanimate doll. So. Has well, one last question: Has Bowser gone back to him being the creepy? king slash kidnapper that he's always been he never really stopped <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not wrong that's not wrong but anyways james i want to say thank you especially because you were you took the time and effort to kind of look up all this stuff today and and really kind of flesh things out for us and i'm enjoying i'm enjoying your your level of detail a little bit more than than mine <laughs> definitely i i do a little more slapdash kind of stuff so but anyways, guys, I would I just want to say if you guys enjoyed this episode and you like hearing this kinds of stuff, if you want to hear have us here, if you want to hear us go over more things, uh, this is nature. If I can ever learn how to talk, would be phenomenal, right, James? Um, you hit us up on social media. Let us know if you have a specific thing that you want us to talk about. Let us know. Um, I have to, a little bit of a spoilers. I think I'm going to have Jackie on for our next episode. I'm going to give James a break. Um, and we're going to talk about something that she's probably been wanting to talk about for a while because we've been rewatching the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe extensively. We're actually almost done with the new, uh, the last uh, Phase Four. So she's actually, how would I say, flowered as a Marvel <laughs> fan. There you You've go. Been working on that for a long time, I know. It took it took a while, but luckily now it's she spends about forty five minutes a night with me, sitting there watching the movies as we go through. Because she can do about forty five minutes, then she's done, and we just kind of <laughs> go. But it's been about two months in the making, so mm-hmm. I think we've done really well. So I think we're going to do that. And if you guys have any suggestions on what we can go over next, just hit us up. Let us know. Um, like I said, uh, our email is at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail dot com. You can hit us up at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And we will get back to you as soon as we can. And like I said, James, thanks for coming by today. Everybody else, thanks for coming by as well. And we are going to get out of here, James. Have a wonderful day. Bye. If you're interested in keeping up to date with new episodes on our channel, add us on any of your favorite podcasting apps or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Seriously Pointless Conversations. If you have questions or concerns, please email us at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com. We appreciate any feedback. Thank you for listening to our show.